I talked about the similarity between Wales and India, because a lot of people think they're just, you couldn't, it couldn't be more different. Whereas actually they're, they're both very similar, both obsessed with tea, both kicked out the English. You know, there's, there's lots, lots of similarities. That's two. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast. Today we're talking about being a lighthouse. Andy, it feels like ages since we've done this. It's been a long time. Yeah, we've got a lot in the bag and then life got away from us. Yeah, lighthouses. Yeah. Oh. Weird topic for a marketing and mindset podcast, eh? So one was keeping me up only last week. A lighthouse? A lighthouse, yeah. When I went up, went up um, uh, to see my coach and it was an oh, amazing place on the beach. And I kept waking up and I'm like, what's that fucking light? <laughs> so I was just I was just like in some really old person's disco. Every so often the light would come round. Uh, but yeah, it's a beautiful part of the world. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was having a business conversation the other day and basically the the premise of this is you want to be a lighthouse as a business owner or an entrepreneur or a leader you don't want to be seen as the mountain climber now the difference is a lighthouse sits atop of the cliff or the mountain or whatever you want to call it and shines a light to guide everybody else where the mountain climber strains and struggles and grinds to climb to the top of the mountain but whilst they do it people cling on to them people are hanging off their coattails People are chucking rocks at them. It's And being the lighthouse is just way better for your mental health, way better for your positioning as a business, way better for um, how you see yourself, how you conduct yourself. Because if your conduct goes against being a guiding light, um, that's probably going to be in breach of your values. And so you then you become the mountain climber. And it's a bit of a... A tangled analogy, but that's it. Yeah, I mean, large part of what you say about positioning, you know, we're obviously doing so much work with clients on positioning now, and it would definitely be one of the probably top top five things if I go back to the beginning to get that right. Because mm. when you're there grinding away on the mountain, because you're you're I'm a really nice person, or you've been maybe even brought up to always say yes and to be kind and turn the other cheek and all that stuff. And unfortunately, business sometimes, and I'd say more often than not, that can really bite you. You'll you'll get business, but it might not be the right kind of business. Mm. Um, you'll probably find out you're undercharging, undervaluing yourself. And when the shit hits the fan, you turn around suddenly. Shit, I'm on the cliff on my own. Yeah, that's it, so true. And and it's it's hard because that's you know so some true. sometimes when you talk about stuff like this, it doesn't seem too far away from saying you've got to be a shit or nice guys never win. And that isn't the case. It's just being, being businesslike and, yeah. know, and knowing that if you are perceived to be a leader, to be a shining light, to be an authority in your field, um, you'll get more respect and uh, your, your life will be easier, I'd say. And you can also fucking charge more. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's absolutely that. I was thinking of an example then as you were speaking when I used to go to networking, I rebranded. So I had a, when I, uh, before we were code break, I had a design agency. Award-winning design agency. Originally, it was called Salop Creative, and Salop is a, an old term for Shropshire. Um, it's also French for whore. Well, yeah. It's got, got some really interesting website inquiries. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like like my, my two little water bottles by a company called Lesfit, and I thought, oh, I'll see what other stuff they've got. Never Google Lesfit. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Three days I wasted you th- then. You've thrown me off. 
So anyway, you went I rebranded from Salop Creative, which was deliberately a very local brand to attract local people. There's a comedy about that. Uh, to, to Squeak, which was a very polished brand and very um, striking and different to anything there is locally. And someone came up to me and said, oh, I'd love to work with you, but you're probably too expensive for me. And at the time, I took that mm. as a criticism. I took it hard and was like, oh, shit. No, I can't, I can't turn away work. And in hindsight, that was such a terrible mistake. And I probably suffered for that for five years, with that mindset of actually... That's like the, one of the best compliments someone could pay me is that they they're like they clearly thought well he knows his stuff he looks the business and uh, I probably can't afford him like that's three three yeah. pretty decent compliments. Listen, if um, if one person can get through David Goggins' armor, then you're not alone. I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it only takes one person to say something, and it can make you question your entire bloody business, your entire philosophy. Like like saying. Oh fucking hell! How much? And, oh, oh shit! Have I have I charged too much? Oh god, am I charged? Oh yes, I'm. Oh, that's a bit naught because lots of people are charging less than me. Maybe I should as well. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah. You want people to be like you know if they recognise your value, and that actually yeah, you're not right for me at the moment. That's that's a brilliant thing because when you've got everyone chuck themselves at you, and they're just going because you're the cheapest because. You know, there are times with other businesses, we've been there as well, when you suddenly realise, you put up your prices, oh, lots of people are dropping off now, and oh, they've just uh, gone to a really cheap guy. And I'll tell you how you know, you pick up lots of scrappy little jobs. If you're if you're competing on price, or not even consciously competing on price, you'll find you're doing loads of work, but it's all scrappy little bits, and then when someone needs a website redesign or they need a social media strategy or they need an ad campaign, they go to the big boys down the road and you're like, fucking hell, we've been working together for three years. How come you didn't come to me? And they'll, they'll say one or two things. Oh, I didn't realize mm -hmm. you did that. Or, oh, I didn't think you were big enough to handle this. And neither of those things are good. Wow, that's, that's, that's an uncomfortable evening, isn't it? Or Fortnite, depending on your mindset. <laughs> oh, I thought you, thought you just did business cards. That's like, yeah. So, so in fact, that that happened to me. God, I mean, years ago, I was at this great client, and we do loads of like um, vehicle stickers and leaflets and stuff for him. Really, some some and, and lovely little jobs, to be honest, and and profitable. Uh, but to be honest, we never really pushed other aspects of the business. And then I found out he's getting like a massive new website, a massive new rebrand. And I knew exactly, you know, I wasn't miffed at all because I knew exactly why he hadn't come to me. And it was for that reason. So, I remember you know, that can quote. Only, can, yeah, can only, can only blame myself. Does his name begin with K? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I remember that because we worked together quite a lot on that in the days where we were separate. And then both, and he was always on a budget and then magically found 50 grand, or, well, not 50 grand, maybe mm. 25 grand for his re random website. There's definitely yeah, definitely a lesson there for for people when when people say to you, "Oh, that's a bit expensive," or, or "I haven't got the money," things are a bit tight, and then the next day you see them driving past in a brand new Range Rover, which is mm. you know it's happened to you, it's happened you know something similar happened to me. Someone had to lay off lots of his staff. Oh, things are really tight, and then yeah, God, is that a brand new car he's in? And yep. his wife is that a brand new car for her as well? And, and, like... and the hard truth is, it's not them; it's you. Mm -hmm. um, I was on a mentorship call this morning and uh, the guy leading the call said, do you know what every one of my high ticket clients said to me before I sold them this 
product. And I was like, no, what did they say? What did they say? And he said, uh, I can't afford it. And then they bought it. Yeah. Like, I think from from birth, it's instilled in you to like have that, that knee-jerk reaction, oh, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. And that's why, you know, some of those premium brands over the years have got it bang on. Like, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to go how much when you walk into a bloody Bentley showroom. Well, you might do. Uh, when you walk into a Bentley showroom. All <laughs> Should we rolls. do that one, though? <laughs> how much? I've only got 20, 20 quid. Fucking um, hell. You can't sell many of these. Yeah, it's bad, isn't it? It's mad. I mean, not that, you know, not that high ticket's going to be right for everyone. Sometimes, uh, you know, it can be a good business model to have high volume, you know, um, low fees, but may, I mean, maybe you're selling products. Who knows? But, oh yeah, it's all about opportunity, isn't it? If you found a way to source something where the margins are still great for you and you can sell in volume, fill your boots. I'm not. I'm, like, price positioning is a is a skill in itself, and there's plenty of businesses that do well at it. But chances are, if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in positioning, you should probably be looking at being at the higher end, not the lower end. Yeah, it, it's. It's just nicer to be the lighthouse, and a, and a large part of that does involve the pricing. And I, I'd say you're never going to be seen as you're never going to be perceived as an authority in your field if you're charging too low. It's just that thing that people have, like, well, how how good can he or she be? Because mm. they're 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 ten times cheaper than so and so down the road, and not that the other person must be better, but there's still that thing you'll be fighting against. Yeah, um, and rather have someone go. Yeah, listen, I can't afford it. Well, I, I had a moment in a meeting the other day, and you know, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know, I sort of have my fun with um, self worth and those kind of imposter syndrome type characteristics. And and the woman sat opposite me said, "Why should I work with you and not so and so?" And so and so is a very reputable person in the industry. And I said, "Because I'm better." <laughs> I fucking meant it. I'm like, where did that come from? And um, but that's that's where you need to be. You need to know your onions. You need to be willing to be the guide. I I've given that person quite a lot of not free advice. She's invested in us significantly, but I've I, you know she's had her money's worth. I've looked after her. I really care about her business and want to see her do well. But when she asked me that question, I could have gone shy and and made like um. A British answer, but instead I was like, "Well, no, I've got to tell her the truth because I've told her the truth about everything else." So, well, one of our values: be confident but humble. Yeah, so yeah it's... because because I'm better, and not not because I'm fucking ace. It was like, because I'm better. If people are going to invest their hard-earned money into a supplier, they've got to have confidence. Mm. That, that you know that that trust and confidence has to be there. Some, you know, if two suppliers walk into the room and one walks in looking straight ahead, firm handshake, eye contact, fist bump, whatever, and the other one sort of shuffles in looking at their shoes, you know, well, that first impression, it's really hard to get over that first impression. Mm. Um, in fact, I know we could be, be recording another podcast and we'll talk a lot about this, about sometimes that perception is reality. And that took me a long time to get my head around. I still don't like it, but... That's that's what you're up against. That's an interesting point that I've never raised with you off the podcast, so a weird one to raise with you on the podcast. But culturally, you and I come from different backgrounds, but we've a lot of similarities in in a, in a sense. White privilege. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apart from that, well, <laughs> half right. <laughs> but like, 
my family, for example, uh, always tried to do things on the cheap. So they would buy cheap clothes mm. or they would buy an old banger of a car. Now, I, I, it was a running joke between me and my mum, obviously not in front of him, but that my dad spent more time at the garage with the car than he did at home. It was just fucking ludicrous. We might as well have had a brand new car. And that whole, like, positioning thing and being the lighthouse thing isn't just about how you price yourself and how um, how you hold yourself and how you talk. It's also how you act, how you behave, the decisions you make. And, like, I know, like, you've had conflicting views growing up because your your mum comes from a Welsh mining village. Your, your dad's from India. Indian culture in itself is is confusing because everyone wants the best of the best but doesn't want to pay for it kind of thing how did that affect you because it's 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 been taking a long time for me to get my head around it yeah well it's, it's quite funny actually because um i think it was mum and dad's silver wedding anniversary i had to do a speech and basically um i talked about the similarity between wales and india because a lot of people think they're just you couldn't it couldn't be more different mm. um whereas actually they're they're both very similar um both obsessed with tea. Um, both kicked out the English. You know, there's there's lots 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 of similarities. And that's two. Mum and dad. <laughs> mum and I'm sure they're yeah. I'm sure loads be, of daffodils, sure loads of sheep, loads, loads of place names you can't pronounce. Oh, that's um, good. That's good. Yeah. And 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 they had lots of similarities, but the the one thing they definitely had different views on was money. So mum, mm. she'd always go cheap and cheerful. Whereas dad, he'd rather pay once. And, and, and get quality. Yeah. And it's weird. So I sort of buy followed... Buy cheap, buy twice kind of... Yeah, attitude. exactly. So I sort of followed dad, whereas my brother followed mum. So I remember like um, Pete was renting out a, a house and uh, years ago and the boiler broke. So he spent ages basically looking around for the cheapest boiler. And dad was like, well, though, get, get a decent one. Don't, get, don't be stupid. Get a decent one because then there's less chance of it going wrong. No, 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 no. Right, just renting this fucking house out. I just want the cheapest one. Got a cheap boiler. My God, the plumber was there like every bloody month. And of course, it just it worked out being more expensive. Mm. So I'm much more about value, which is why I'm very careful to, to always use words like investments. And of course, yeah, investments can go up, they can go down. But you are making investment in your business, in your marketing. And you, you want quality and value. Do you really want to go for the cheapest and be constantly fixing things or not seeing the results? Do you want a pretty website or do you want a pretty website that's going to generate you inquiries? Because there'll yeah. be a price difference in those two. And the fact is, it took me a long time to realize I can't devote enough time to try and turn the former around. If someone just wants the cheapest, I'd rather move on to someone else rather than try and convince yeah, them why I, they need to invest. I can't remember what that triangle is, but it, I think it's a fast speed, quality, and price. Yeah. And you can have two, but you can't have all three. Yeah. And um, like I, I don't mind admitting this on the podcast. I'm just I've, sat here thinking of more similarity with Wales and England than Wales <laughs> and uh, India. Curry? <laughs> no. Still the highest turnout in my mum's village for a wedding ever, and that was like 50-odd years ago because... Most curiosity. They'd literally never seen uh, an Indian bloke before. It's amazing. Anyway, I'm, I was about to be humble and admit something to you. Oh, so, on. when we first met, I, I I thought you had expensive taste, would be the honest truth. So I'd be like, fucking hell, he's always buying quite expensive things. 
And what then, are you buying? I don't know. You're, I mean, you've had about 10 watches, so that's a start. Uh, <laughs> and Sore point in our house, because Emma's like you on that front. What's a fucking watch? Well, do, do, does it tell the time better? Don't worry, I've just got a new sports watch, so... Is that a Fitbit? Yeah, I didn't need... I'm not running a marathon. I'm only going to get going over a bounce castle, so... Um, that's another story. Anyway, uh, yeah, and like... You don't... I mean, you don't wear flash clothes, but you you wear decent brands. And I, and I used to think, fucking hell, like... Must be expensive being Andy. And then... After a bit, it sort of started to dawn on me. Like... For example, you've got a, a green Tommy Hilfiger zip-up. Mm. And you've had that for a long time. And I was like, well, you've had that a long time. I don't have very many clothes. I just have good clothes. decent enough. So I wear my Jeffrey West again. Now, I've got a few pairs of Jeffrey West, but these are my favourite ones. So they're about the flashiest piece of clothing you've got, right? Um, Cause, yeah. Because yeah. there's a... You can pay for quality to a certain point, and, and then, then beyond they, that, it's, it's, a, it's yeah, about so, show. Yeah, so my, my tops and shirts tend to be Tommy, Boss, or Ralph Lauren or something. But I'd say that's, for me, that's an ochre level. I, I wouldn't go out... Le Bouton or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Buy, spend that kind of money. I'm not like saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just just not for me. But, you know, when I... So, so my two teenage girls, you know, obsessed with clothes... But it's all about the fast fashion. And obviously the latest environmental reports basically saying that a lot of the blame is to do with fast fashion. Now, I'm trying to educate my children and say, well, if you're going to buy that really nice dress and it costs £3, where on earth can the value be there? Who's been exploited to do that? And how long is it going to last you? And so two weeks later, there's a rip in it and they're having to buy another dress. And in fairness to them, the brands that were considered mid to upper range when we were younger, so your M and S, your next, I mean, Top Man, Burton, mm. Burton. Is that still going? I don't think so. But they're fast fashion now. They're 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 not as cheap as your Primarks, but but the quality's not there anymore. Everything's moved, and and all these brands are popping up online where you can get custom shirts and custom jeans because they've seen the gap. You've got these like really high end brands, your Louis Vuittons of the world. You've got the, your Primarks, your Next, your, your Topshop, and this this big gap in the middle that weirdly is where, like like you say, Boss and Ralph Lauren have become quite mainstream brands yeah. where they used to be designer labels. Top, top end, yeah, yeah, and it's difficult because obviously when you start entering the middle ground, that's when you get squeezed. It's like Emma was in um, in Sainsbury's the other day. She goes, "Oh, there's stickers everywhere now on various products." saying this is price match to Aldi. And that's what Sainsbury's having to do because, you know, say the Lidl's of the world and maybe the M&S's of the world in terms of food, they'll always be all right. Yeah, like Waitrose and yeah, M&S are the top exactly. end. Whereas the middle kind of supermarkets, when there are recessions or bloody wars or energy crisis, whatever, they're the ones that will get squeezed. That's another great example. See, when I was growing up, Sainsbury's was the posh supermarket. Really? Well, there wasn't a Waitrose in Shropshire. How about a quick save? That's where my nan used to Yeah, yeah, so that was it. So we used to go to quick save for broken biscuits, I remember that. And then and then I guess above that, you'd have your Summerfields and your co-ops. And then above that, you'd have like your Tesco and your Morrisons. And then above that, Sainsbury's. And then now Waitrose is, mm. you know, Waitrose has come out of London and M&S food has broken out of the clothes stores to become its own thing. And But it's, 
and like a cardo, I guess, is the online mm-hmm. version. Um, but it's really interesting in terms of like that lighthouse positioning. Like a, a cardo, everyone, when you see an Ocado van pull up at someone's house, your immediate thought is, well, they must have a bit of money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where if it's the Iceland delivery, you're like, fuck it up, why are they ordering? <laughs> and it's just the natural thing. And well, it's when you get, I went, um, why did I go into the MS food hall? I went in there for some, anyway, it has to be some type of food, and I went in there. And it's just another reminder that, yeah, this is sort of different level. Obviously, it's not like going in the Harry's well, you've, food you've court. You've just been in that massive waitrose with me in Chester. And we had that experience where we were like, hmm. this is a different level of supermarket. Yeah, and it's, and it's, and yeah, it's, it's nice. And again, you know, there are people like, I'm thinking about my late father now. He would like to shop in certain shops because of the clientele. That's about as polite as I can put it. But He'd get when he retired. Him and Mum pretty much bought all their food from Marks and Spencers because for them it was a lovely morning out with, in inverted commas, nicer people. They'd sit in the cafe, have a nice coffee, and that was a lot better for them as opposed to like walking around Aldi. But in all fairness, and like this is a weird thing to come from me, but he'd earned that. It like he worked his ass off his whole life. Mm-hmm. As a mum. And then why why would they remind themselves of the struggle when they don't have to? Yeah, that was uh, that's what they, they like doing. As I say they certainly worked hard enough for it. And they enjoyed it. And if mum would ever make a comment to me like, Oh, I don't know what don't know what my father would say, I'd be like, Mum, I'm sure I'm sure your dad tied, my tied, my Welsh grandfather. We'll be very happy for you. Yeah. Just, just enjoy because there's no point doing it if you're just going to feel guilty. Well, and you get people who are like have the opposite um, social opinion that they actually like to go into a very local pub because they want to be around like the salt of the earth. And I get that too. You know, sometimes you get lucky and you prop yourself up in a pub and there's an old man at the bar who's just got so many amazing stories. You just like, oh, I'm glad I popped in. But we live in a society now where. In all sectors of society, there are dickheads. And so you play, play the odds. How do I avoid the dickheads? It's, it's... Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's just a, such an interesting point about, um, say we said about my, my parents in, in M&S and mum would sometimes have that guilt. I know a lot of people, high ticket people, business people, who sometimes feel guilty about the prices they charge because they work on this, it's been so ingrained in this sort of per hour fee basis where sometimes think, oh, well, I can't charge that because it's only like an hour's work or it's only half an hour's work. No, no. Like my dad working in the NHS for 40 fucking years, you have put your blood, sweat, tears and money into being able to do your job to a certain level that you should be okay charging. You can't just charge... Mm. Because someone takes you, something takes you 10 minutes, that doesn't mean you charge for 10 minutes. Well, that, that's... So people... Th- people wrongly assume they're either paying for time or the product. So my my mum will do this and she's a smart lady, but she'll be like, I know for a fact that the frozen food in M&S and a lot of the frozen food in Iceland is the same food uh, from the same factory to a certain standard packaged differently. So my mum will be like, well, why don't you just go to Iceland? And I'm like, mum, I don't shop at M&S, but just whoever she's talking about. Uh, I'll be like, you're missing the point, Mum. They're not paying for the product. They're paying for the experience. 
mm-hmm. and not necessarily the experience M&S have of 100 years of selling food, the experience of having twice as much aisle space as they push their trolley around, of not having to queue at the till, of having wider spaces in the car park in a nicer area of town. That's what you're paying for. It's not the product. It's like, you know, we all need to eat the same amount of calories every day. It's it, And I think people forget that. And then, when, and then when they come to think about their own businesses, they do the same. So they're like, well, it didn't take me very long. Or, well, it only cost me five quid to make that. So that's that's not the point. The point is what value are you providing people on the other side? And value comes in different ways to different people. So if someone says to you, that's too expensive for me, that's because it doesn't fulfill their value assessment. But then the next person down the road could be like, oh, I really like your shampoo because you only release 20 bottles a month and I like like that it's exclusive. Fantastic. Oh, here's another one. It's like... Oh, could you also do this for me? Well, he's paying me quite a lot of money. So yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that for free. And then I'll do also do that for free because listen, he's paying me, I don't know, two grand a month and that that is a lot of money. So and you end up with an unprofitable client. Who devalues you. Doesn't yeah. thinks thinks that your service isn't worth it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can do something free once for a, either a limited period like netflix there we go those kind of businesses those kind of business models where your first one's free either after that either pay or fuck off yeah but if ferrari released a subscription they wouldn't do it just yeah there's yeah, yeah, a certain yeah. type of business that can do it and like software as a service like your netflix is this world can do it car subscriptions like volvo do couldn't possibly do it but they might do an introductory offer and it's like yeah, it's really interesting. So, um, a like couple more, couple more oh, points on. on our lighthouse okay. chat. So, bear in mind when you're a lighthouse, you're obviously shining a light to guide people, but sometimes that light will shine on the person. And in my experience, there's two types of people when a light shines on, on them. One that loves, loves the spotlight and likes the accountability of the spotlight. And the other who casts a really long shadow and the spotlight highlights all their flaws and insecurities fucking hell did tell me it's gonna be such a deep one <laughs> but i've i've met a few lighthouses in my time as such and some of them find it really hard when people react negatively to them precious you mean um well i guess no i guess if they're like if they think they're doing everything they should and, uh, okay. and behaving in a in a, a really good way, in a way that their family would be proud mm-hmm. of. And then they get a really negative response. I, I had it at one of our live events recently where I was really looking after someone and he just kicked off. And then afterwards, a few people said to me, well, it's because you shined a light on him. He didn't He didn't like being in the spotlight. Oh, okay. And um, he said, that's not your problem, that's his problem, because you were highlighting his flaws. And rather than him seeing it as an opportunity to overcome them, he got on the defensive and you see it in society with people who have clear problems and rather than tackling the problem, they blame everyone around them. And I think that's one thing about being a lighthouse is you have to be aware that occasionally a ship's still going to crash into you, basically. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, another of my dad's sayings about you're only as good as your last prescription, that's true for a lot of people at different levels where you can do all this good work and sometimes all it takes is one mistake and all that goodwill has gone out of the window. And and I think when you are serving from from a place of love, you know, you get you get financially well rewarded for, for serving people. But when you're there doing your best to help people, 
and sometimes it gets thrown back in your face. Sometimes that can be... It hurts for sure. Yeah. It, it, can, it can really hurt. And I see this with, I mean, top, top level, tough people who think, well, nothing, nothing fucking cracked through them. But they, everyone's got chinks in their armour. Yeah, yeah. Um, everyone's got those, those little red buttons. And obviously some really smart slash savage people they're really good at finding out where those chinks are and they'll fucking chip away whether they think oh. they can get a better price or or just to be honest some of them just for fucking fun some of them it's their modus operandi it's the whole like let's see what i can fucking get out of this person yeah and other and everybody naturally smells blood everyone looks for a vulnerability in someone because it's you're you're subconsciously doing that from the moment you meet someone in case shit goes south so don't take it personally when that happens, but expect it. The lighthouse, you had to rise above it. Yeah. I mean, it used to, it used to really... Still does, not Really <laughs> bother me. Now, I, you, know, you talked a long time ago about compartmentalisation, and I'm much better now at being able to switch something off. So if someone's fucked me off, I'll rem- like my dad, talk a lot about my take dad Take it today. to the grave. I, yeah, memory like an elephant. But I, I could still turn it off. It doesn't mean I've forgotten. Massive difference. But no. I say, I'm with my wife and kids now. That bloke who fucked me over, that's done. I'm going oh, to be absolutely. present now. Absolutely. Pre-COVID Andy and pre-COVID Joel, um, it'd wreck our day. Now it might wreck five minutes for us, but then we're back on. Both of us, like our biggest vulnerability is that we care a lot, but it's also our biggest strength. And it's... Like, I'd say we care... We still care a lot. I would say, yeah, we'd, we'd crossed the line and cared too much. When when you start caring more than your clients or some clients, you've got to be aware there's there's going to be a challenge at some point. Yeah, and but that's when you know that you've reached a new tier in your business. Yeah. And I, I think that's a it used to really bug us because we would reach that level where we felt like we cared more or knew more than our clients. And rather than seeing it as that as an indication to put our prices up or move in different circles, we'd stay at that level and be be irritated. And it's, it's why we slightly modified our vision seed, you know, to get more customers um, for small business owners through digital marketing. Um, now it's get more customers for hungry business owners through digital marketing. Yeah. Still won't deal with boardroom, so massive businesses not interested. But yeah, you got to be you got to be hungry if if you. We give you results and you get to a level where, oh, that's brilliant, I'm quite comfortable now. Thanks very much. And it's like, well, you know, but, but what's next? And, and you and I, you know, we always pick on one client for that story. But ultimately, we're like on the fifth iteration of our business now where we've had to let clients go. It's it's just what naturally happens with your business. The football agent... Say no to a lot of yeah, potential clients. The football agent that gets the professional footballer from League One to the championship isn't the same football agent that gets them from the championship to the Premier League. It's yeah, it's just the nature of business. And if you let that beat you up, all that happens is that you—that's the tier that you stay at. And I'd uh, yeah, and I'd say we probably face that challenge more than some because we started not not say at the Modestly. bottom, but yeah, <laughs> when, yeah. When when you start with like no money helping. Anyone and everyone. Also and, with no money. And, and Yeah, and charging a stupidly no low amount. It's a long, long journey. So if you're going into business, maybe with your eyes a bit more wide open or maybe, maybe just fucking older and wiser, 
then you might not have the same challenges yeah, as other people. I, I, I think that's very true. Like you and I came from quite broad career backgrounds and became niche over time and therefore fought our way up where I've seen people who have done well in the agency world and then gone and set up their own consultancy and they're immediately 50 grand a year straight off the bat. Yeah. And and they've got no well why would why would I charge any less than that I've got twenty years experience yeah and um usually two things happen with that either they're incredibly successful or they just completely fail but most businesses fail anyway so yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Well, it's interesting because sometimes there's always going to be that 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 sort of baggage around you and a piece of advice I usually share with certain coaching clients is is about about stories and about and about looking back and mm. stories can be great but they can also be detrimental because stories involve something that's usually happened in the past and you can't move forward by looking backwards and so okay that's what happens then where are you now and where do you want to get that's that's the crucial difference because if you say oh but i used to or like we keep saying what are the six words that will kill any business we've always done it this way so that's speaking of dads that's really interesting um so my dad has mental health issues and one of the traits of his mental health issues is he tells a lot of stories. Oh, so he relives a lot of his past over and over and over again. It's like his brain can't process mm -hmm. it. But again, you meet two types of people. You meet the type of person that tells a story and they've learned a lesson from it. And so they're telling the story for the benefit of everybody else. And the type of person that tells the story, and as they tell it, you can see the emotion in their face like like it's happening to them again. And it's because they're kind of stuck in this horrendous time loop. And you see that in business all the time. And the lighthouse is, is the storyteller who tells it for everybody else's benefit, not the storyteller that, for want of a better phrase, tells it for self-indulgence. Yeah. Bloody hell. How many, how many more analogies can we have for lighthouses now? They're tall. <laughs> well, that's no good for me, is it? <laughs> <laughs> They're there to do one thing, stop ships crashing. Don't They're let your bulb go out. <laughs> They're there to do one thing, deliver results. Everything else is secondary. Well, most, cool. thing, most things are secondary. But yeah, it's, 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 if this is resonating with anyone, do reach out. Because yeah, we've, we've been there. We've, I would say we've been at all levels of business. So if you think that you're undervaluing yourself and that's hurting you, not just financially, but emotionally, then yeah, re reach out. Let's let's talk and see what we can do to, to be honest, get you off that hamster wheel. Yeah, love that. So yeah, ultimately, if you're looking for help with your marketing and you want it all done for you, your best step is to keep an eye out for one of our next masterclasses there with me live every couple of weeks. If you'd rather have a lighthouse in your corner, someone to coach you, um, mentor you, show you the, the route you should be taking with your business, Get in touch with Andy, he'll book you in for a call and I'm sure he'd love to chat to you. Nice. See you later, guys. Take care.